it's time for you all to wake up and shift your paradigm. This world is the kingdom of darkness and we are living in its last days. It won't be long before the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat and the earth and everything therein shall be burnt up. The Luciferian elite have been setting up the new world order and now they've established the globalist beast system for the rise of that wicked one and revealing of the man of sin who comes after the workings of Satan. Don't take my word for it. Read the Bible and you'll know that perilous times shall come in the last days. And we are in the last days. Hello brothers and sisters, this is the Remnant Warrior, and you are now listening to Buy Their Fruits on the Kingdom Productions Network. Buy their fruits, you shall know them. Buy, 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 buy their fruits. 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 You shall know them. Welcome to Buy Their Fruits. I am your host, Jeremy Stone. I am here with my co-host, John. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. Glad to be back, brother. All right. Today, we got a special guest, uh, Jeremy Anderson. And uh, Jeremy, I'm going to give you some time real quick to, to tell people who you are and uh, how they can reach you and what you do and how we're partners. <laughs> yes. What are you talking about, man? I don't know you guys. Oh, <laughs> Picked you up feel, off of us. Uh, I feel bad now. Foursquare. <laughs> no. Um, these are two of the most amazing brothers that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And, you know, as far as myself goes, um, my name is Jeremy Anderson, not to be confused with the younger, better looking Jeremy Stone. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> well, there was a time when I, I probably wouldn't have said that but you know i don't have the luxury anymore i know i'm getting old <laughs> John, i'm getting old too brother i'm getting old too so well, we're getting old yeah i'm only like a year or so older than john so <laughs> we are getting old uh but and i only know that because i heard him say his birth year in an episode the other night <laughs> Yeah, 1985. So I, I definitely feel it. I'm gonna hit hit 40 here soon. So you know, uh, looking forward to that. I sure am. You had a couple of years, bro. Come on. I know I do, but oh boy, I, never, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I never thought I'd be 40. So here I am. A couple of weeks. I've got until the 27th of this month. <laughs> it's but, coming up then, eh? Yes. But anyway, it is what it is. I'm so thankful that God has blessed me with that many years on this earth. 
and I every day that I wake up, especially the older I get, I just I thank him more and more like I'm about to have the pleasure to not only witness my daughter's funeral but um but oversee and lead my daughter's future, marry my daughter and her husband and you know if if you would have told especially her um mm, 10 years ago that her daddy would be marrying her she wouldn't have laughed she just started crying <laughs> because you know those who have heard my testimony know that that's just how far gone i was but praise the lord that's not the case anymore and our ministry is kingdom productions and publishing but the thing that people probably recognize the most is the kingdom productions network on spotify um like john um we had our youtube channel deleted out of the blue you know without warning without even getting a strike before but you know i I knew that eventually the day would come to where we wouldn't be able to rely on YouTube or any social media. So it's no big thing, but you know, by their fruits is the newest podcast that we have on the network. And I am absolutely thrilled to have you boys. And I know that Matthew and Richard and the rest of the guys are just as thrilled as I am. And, you know, we've uh, done three episodes, I think three or four, something like that, since you guys have joined forces with us. And, you know, I, I see the Lord continuing to bless and to do great things to grow his kingdom as long as we remember to always put him first and always be obedient and humble ourselves enough to forget about our will and follow the will of the Lord. And Amen. as far as finding me or the ministry itself, you can find the Kingdom Productions Network on Spotify. It's just called the Kingdom Productions Network. And it's, it's not, you know, a podcast like the majority of others. It's an actual network with several podcasts and also, you know, audiobook section, documentary section, and, you know, just, just a lot of really good Christian content. And if anyone needs to reach me personally, they can go to Kingdom Productions and Publishing on Facebook. We have a um, ministry page on Facebook that's Kingdom Productions, the symbol and, not the word, but the symbol and Kingdom Productions and Publishing. And um, it... I guess that it wouldn't be a problem to put the link in the the show notes, at least on the, the network anyway. 
But um, that's pretty much it. It's also the best introduction we ever had. So yes, I, yes, it <laughs> is you. very much so. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and uh, yes, thank you very much, uh, Jeremy. Uh, glad that uh, we can be a part of your network, brother, and the things that all of us are doing uh, for the Lord. All glory to God. So amen. Amen. Well, today, guys, we got a pretty controversial subject. I mean, I wish it wasn't, but it is. Uh, we're going to be talking about whether. You know, basically, the the main point is whether a, a born again Christian can be possessed. We all know they can be oppressed, but can they be possessed? And uh, if you don't know what that is, that means when a when a spirit literally, literally indwells in you and takes over your can take over your mind, will, and emotions. Um, I mean, all of us on here do not believe that a Christian can be possessed. But uh, we're going to get into that because with Greg Locke's new film coming out, this is the topic of everything on social media. Um, and if you guys don't know who Greg Locke is, do you want to give us a little background, John? So Greg Locke um, was a um, Baptist minister. Um, I don't remember exactly what the name of his church is offhand, uh, but he is located outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, let me look at his church. Uh, Global Vision Bible Church. Um, and so uh, for many years, um, it was, it, it appeared, and I know some people who knew Greg Locke, uh, I used to follow his uh, teachings many years ago. Um, it was relatively sound doctrine, you know, from, from, a, from a Baptist uh, uh, worldview. Um, and, um, you know, he... His um, ex-wife, um, him and his ex-wife started having some problems, and Greg Locke started to, um, uh, you know, deal very heavily with the uh, sin of pride, and um, he, he um, uh, and also the sin of adultery and lust as well, because he cheated on his wife, um, and uh, blamed her uh, because of mental illness that she had. Um, and uh, would later, later, I believe, marry uh, or have a relationship, open a relationship with his secretary. Uh, um, it was a woman who definitely worked at a sh at, at the church. Um, I know it's and, planned. Yes, and um, so you know, right then and there, he is disqualified uh, as the, you know set forth as the biblical standards, as God's standards uh, for a pastor. Right then and there, he's disqualified. Right then and there, straight up. Straight up, because uh, he's unrepentant about it. He's completely unrepentant about it, com completely. Um, and again, he, you know, I'm not saying that you know his his wife doesn't have uh, you know issues, but that doesn't g give a person a right to commit adultery. <laughs> you know, that there's no right there. It's still a sin. It's still you know it, it's it's you know um, breaking a commandment that God has given us. You know, and 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 um, and so you know, and so. He's unrepentant about it, from what I've seen in clips and videos, and and but he he considers he still uh, uh, considers himself to be a pastor, still uh, propagates himself as being a pastor, uh, and he's now caught up in the Great Awakening, the False Great Awakening. Uh, he's uh, platformed by Clay Clark and the Reawakened America tour. He's up there with uh, General Michael Flynn, uh, who's a Theosophist, who's Satanist. And um and uh you know he's touring the um, United States with these Reawaken America tours, 
uh, preaching uh, rebellion against government openly. Um, he's, um, you know, uh, uh, preaching, um, that, 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 that Christians can be possessed. Um, and he's, um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of unsound doctrine. I mean, I'm more worried, worried myself, um, about the, him platforming and pushing the great awakening. Um, and, 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 I would only say slightly more than everything else that's wrong with him. But I mean, if we're truly yeah, entering, if we're truly entering into the tribulation, you know, him yoking up with uh literal, <laughs> literally antichrist and beast system to me is a, it's, it's a little, little worse. Yeah, uh, it's, but, it's, it's more concerning than the book burning. So. Yeah. It's more concerning. <laughs> it's more concerning than, um, than let's say uh, kind of his unsound doctrine and even his, him not meeting the biblical qualifications of a pastor. But that being said, though, however, um, I don't think Greg Locke was ever born again. Um, and uh, this is his fruits finally coming to bear, uh, which is very rotten. Um, and I do think at one time God did use him uh, to preach the gospel, uh, you know, to uh, lead people uh, to him. Um, and I think at one time Greg Locke did do that. Um, but, you know, as we will, you know, as it says in, 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 you know, the writings of Paul's that, you know, that you can have preachers who preach the word and due to their own, you know, greedy greediness or arrogancy or vainglory, um, that God can still use that to, for people to be saved by hearing the word. Right. And in doing so that we are supposed to rejoice that people are becoming saved. Um, and so, you know, that being said, it doesn't stop us from calling out Greg Locke and his very unsound poisonous doctrine uh, and that he should not call himself a pastor and he is not a pastor and that he should repent and become born again and uh, and come to the Lord. Uh, but, you know, that that's pretty much uh, Spencer Smith's done some good videos exposing Greg Locke, uh, John from E511 Ministries, Mike from On Point Preparedness. I have um, uh, discussed Greg Locke and have done videos uh, exposing his heretical beliefs and why I think that he is not filled with the Holy Spirit, that he's filled with the spirit of the Antichrist. Um, and it's sad. We should pray for Greg Locke. We should pray for Greg Locke that he truly does become born again, repents, and comes out of this delusion that uh, an arrogancy and all the sins that he's dealing with, uh, and also the delusion that God has also given him over to. Um, and uh, time will tell. You know, Time will tell if Greg Locke does repent and become born again and turns away. Or he will sadly continue uh, championing for uh, Satan. So yeah, yeah, and uh, we know that he's not the only one out there doing this. It seems to be a common thing in most mainstream uh, del deliverance ministries that they teach that you know born again Christians filled with the Holy Spirit can be possessed, and they call it demonization. Okay, but what they mean is possession. Because you don't cast a demon out of somebody who's being demonized. You know what I mean? Like, or, or oppressed, I should say. You don't, you don't cast a demon out of somebody who's being oppressed. You cast a demon out of somebody who has a demon in them, which is possession. Yes. Right. 100% agree. Um, and, um, you know, it's a big moneymaker, too. Here, yeah. You, and you I know, would, and take I would this say, prayer class for 1999, learn well, how to yeah, do there's, it. There's a, there's a lot of grifting going on for sure. Um, and, you know, one thing that I that upsets me is 
is you'll see this a lot in in deliverance, at least what I would call um, non-biblical deliverance. There is biblical deliverance too, right? So non-biblical right. deliverance, you would have um, kind of it's it's less of a repentance of sin and a change of the heart, and more of everything I've done. It was because of the demon. The demon did it. Uh, you know, and not not all not all, you know, d d deliverance teachers are like that. There are biblical deliverance ministries, okay, but they're Rust few and far between. One. They're yeah, yes, they're, few, they're few. They're few and far between. They're very few and far yeah. between. Um, I can name like four. That's about it. Um, they do exist. Um, and and also we're not jumping on anybody here who are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who do believe in deliverance. I, I know some that are born again. I've tested the spirit many times and I know that they are. We just disagree on this. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I myself uh, used to, uh, you know, when I first became born again, uh, be very heavily in uh, deliverance. Um, but I never thought a Christian could be possessed. I never thought that. I, and I do believe that Christians can't be demonized. And I do believe that there are spirits of God and there are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, or which would be demons. Uh, and that demons can demonize a person if they're in sin. Uh, you know, if you're a born again Christian and you're in sin, God, you know, you know, can and will allow you to become demonized. Uh, you know, in, in in the hope that you do turn and repent, right? If you if you if you repent, the devil will flee. Um, and so, you know, there are spirits, there are demons that do uh, affect and afflict us. And uh, you know, as you and I talked off air, you know, Jeremy, it could be physical affliction, even. You know, uh, and so I do think that a lot of the modern day church, especially. Uh, not to harp on my Calvinist brothers and sisters, but they deny uh, the um, supernatural. But to not rag too much on my deliverance brothers and sisters or my Pentecostal charismatic brothers and sisters, they take it too far, in my opinion. So yep, hopefully that I makes agree. sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They take it, they take it too far. Like both are kind of in the left and right paradigm there. Um we, just so everybody knows, all three of us on here do believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We're not cessationists. We do believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and we believe in deliverance, just not the way that deliverance ministries teach it. Again, you can get deliverance from oppression, and unbelievers can get deliverance from possession and oppression, but a born-again, Holy Spirit-filled person cannot be possessed. And... If you look at it, we are God's temple, and you have to look at it logically and through scriptures, of course. And I don't know Jeremy Anderson is going to use scripture and, uh, you know, the early church fathers, but we are the temple of God. And if the Holy Spirit dwells within us, nothing, nothing else can, uh, spirit-wise, dwell in the same space as God. If it's darkness, it would have been burnt up immediately. In the Old Testament, you don't see demons going into the temple of God, okay? We are the temple. You don't see demons going into the temple of Christians. Now, I will say that there is this misconception uh, when people use examples in the Bible for Christians being possessed, 
and having demons casted out of them. They'll, they'll use people like, uh, you know, Mary Magdalene. Um, but you have to remember that Mary Magdalene was not a born again Christian at that time. She hadn't the got the Holy Spirit been, at that time. Yeah. Right. The Holy Spirit wasn't even here yet. Well, it was here, but, he, you know, it wasn't given to everybody yet at that time. And every example that we have within scripture, it's always somebody who doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Now, to classify yourself as a born again Christian, you have to have the Holy Spirit. You would you would have to have the Holy Spirit to be born again. Right. So you got to look at it logically. Can Amen. a demon dwell in the same exact space as the Holy Ghost? No. But Jeremy, do you want to hop in on this? Absolutely. But first, I need you guys to tell me if I'm echo. No, you sound good, bro. You sound great, brother. Okay, because I changed a little bit sound wise. Um, the headphones were uh, aggravating me a little bit. So I um, took them off and plugged up the uh, speakers. But I just wanted to make sure that the mic wasn't like picking up the sound coming out of the speakers and echoing. So you sound beautiful, my friend. But yes, I think that, you know, there's so many opinions, especially in the um, demon hunters or whatever they call themselves, that um, Isaiah Saldivar and um, all of these guys are a part of. And I had a book that I was going to be using tonight, so it didn't seem like I was not giving any resources from the other side of this. I've got a book by Derek Prince, who, when he was alive, he definitely believed and taught that Christians could be possessed. And the name of the book is called, there's either an and at the beginning or not, but it's called and they shall expel demons. And it's a really good book. Um, the only problem with it, of course, is, you know, I, I definitely don't agree with everything Derek Prince teaches. Yeah. But he does know his stuff on the occult. He does. Except for when it comes to things like Christians being demon-possessed. I agree. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter what someone like Derek Prince believes no matter what he thinks he's seen or experienced it makes no difference what i believe it makes no difference what jeremy or john believes it makes no difference what greg Locker, or isaiah saldivar or any of the guys that i showed on the first episode of season four of the remnant report called witchcraft in the church i mean it does not matter what anybody's opinion on this is the only thing that matters and this is not just this subject this is any biblical doctrine the only thing that matters is what the word of god says in context and what it shows happening so in the case uh and i would also say what we see happening and taught in the first and second century 
um, in the earliest part of the anti-Nicene era. So in this case, what we need to look at is do we ever see a case of Jesus or after his ascension, the apostles, or before his ascension, you know, when he sent out the 12 and then the 70, um, you know, do we ever see a case at all in the New Testament of Christians having demons cast out of them? Not anybody, just followers of Christ. And then in the early church, the anti-Nicene church, or at least the, the earliest part of it, the first and second century, do we see any, and there, there are some, you know, some good things to find in the third century, because you're not going to find it in the third century either, spoiler alert, but except for maybe in some heretical sex. But in any case, do you see it in the word and do you see it in the primitive church? And the answer is a resounding no. And I've got a book that I seriously would like to plug here. It's not my book, so I don't mind plugging it. And it is an invaluable resource for any believer, regardless of whether you're a babe in Christ or you're someone who has been walking closely with our Lord for 40 years. And just for some perspective, no matter how long I've been in the ministry, I would like you guys to know I still consider myself a babe in Christ. Um, you know, anytime I get up or I'm on a podcast teaching, I'm learning with you guys because it's not me teaching. The Holy Spirit speaks through me and I learn right along with everybody else, whether I'm preaching or on a podcast or doing a Bible study. And you know, I don't know if the day will come, you know, there, there are others who probably do not consider me a babe in Christ, but honestly, I hope the day never comes where I have enough pride to think that I know enough to teach anybody anything. You know, we have to remain humble, and keep a childlike faith with all things if we, if we want any hope of having a close relationship with our Lord and we want to be like him and truly be able to bring people into fellowship with him and or fellowship with the father through him just by seeing the way we live and the things we do and say if that day ever comes 
then I'll be a happy man. You know, if I can die and someone can see Christ just by watching me and I don't even have to, you know, share the gospel with them, then I'll die a happy man. But, you know, I'm not saying that no matter how close we get, we should ever stop sharing, but I'm rambling, so I apologize. Yes, I do have some scriptures, and I have some early church quotes, but that book that I was just now plugging is called A Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs, and it's an amazing resource. It's from... David Berceau, he actually only edited it. You know, he put it together. Um, it, it's not like he wrote it or anything. It's full of pretty much anything you can think of as far as what the primitive church believed, taught, and did action-wise. And it's everything in here. There is not one subject in here. And it is honestly the, if not the biggest book on my um, library shelf, it's one of the biggest books. I mean, it's bigger than my Bible. But there is not a single subject in here that is not backed up by a ton of scripture. And that's, you know... Even if it didn't have the actual scripture itself, having the early church quotes, the anti-Nicene writers almost always added scripture into the things they wrote about. That's why when people say that they didn't have the New Testament, it blows my mind. I'm like, well, how do you explain the fact that they literally wrote the majority of it in their writings. I mean, where were they getting the things they were writing if they didn't have access to it? But stop you, stop you right there, bro. I just want to hop in and say too that um, you know that you could recreate the entire New Testament aside from about eleven verses they say uh, with just the early church writings. You can. You could, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. It is. It's absolutely, absolutely amazing, but. For tonight's program, I just, I grabbed this because I said, I wonder if I can find anything in the early church that will help with this episode. And so, you know, I, I turned to the D's. It's like any other dictionary, you know, it's alphabetical order. Turned to the D's and there were a lot of different subjects as far as demons go, beginning with the, you know, the origin of demons which completely blows the, the Sethite theory out of the water, by the way, um, because it shows that the earliest of the early Christians, you know, believed that the demons came from the spirits of the dead Nephilim. But in any case... Um, so it wasn't you know, like the Catholic Church states, brother. Uh, so. Possession. Say that again? I said it wasn't like what the Catholic... The Catholic Church states, right, we mentioned right. Seth earlier, oh, the, the kings of the earth. So. That That's right. Uh, you know, the seminaries, especially the seminaries here in the West, in the United States, uh, like Dallas Theological Seminary, for instance, and, you know, many dispensational 
seminaries they they teach that um you know the sethite theory yeah that that's what they teach as far as genesis 6 but in any case when i got to uh um, demon activities and possession there was just a wealth of knowledge and of course it started off with scripture and that was uh, it starts off with matthew 4 24 you know they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed so it shows that you know jesus had the authority over demons that's the first thing it shows um and then acts 16 16 is the second verse you know when the the slave girl was possessed with the spirit of divination and um you know her, it was um she had been bringing her masters you know so much profit and all of that with and, and the greek actually says the spirit of a python um but you know that her masters were angry with the disciples for casting that demon out but if we go back and look at all of the demons cast out by jesus they were cast out of non-believers of course um not necessarily non-followers even though because I, I, I guess a case could be made that they were following him to get you know in order to be able to get the demons cast out but they were not his disciples and they, hadn't, they, they hadn't become born again yet. Born again. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, and Jeremy, then after Jeremy, real quick, I wanted to mention you talked about the um, the, the spirit of Python, the spirit of divination, or a spirit of Python, a spirit of divination. Um, yeah. The spirit of Python, uh, as far as you know, we're talking about the Greek, uh, comes from uh, Pythia. Um, and so you had the Oracle of Delphi, uh, the Temple of Apollo. Uh, yeah. where um, they built that temple uh, over uh, uh, supposedly a dead, a large dead snake or a large dead python where fumes would come up from the abyss and people would become intoxicated by those fumes, which I believe they were just possessed by demons. And they would start, uh, they would start false prophesying. Well, I think uh, those were definitely used there. Um, very much so too. Uh, you know, a very good example, if anyone has seen the uh, the movie um, 300, that um, what, that prophetess or whatever she was, the Oracle, I think is what she was called yep. in there, that was the Oracle of Delphi. Um, it was what the same thing that the Oracle of Delphi did. And even though we see um, Greeks there and it's before... I guess it was before the period of, of um, the Roman Empire because we see the Persians going against the Greeks, so it would have had to have been. But still, that that is the same principle as the Oracle of Delphi, and it's where the Romans got it from. We know that all of these gods are, you know, Paul tells us when you sacrifice to these gods, you're sacrificing to demons. Um, you know, it's not like, pre-flood times when or, or even some of the old testament times when the gods of the nations were a mix between literal fallen angels and uh, you know the the demons themselves uh most of your 
uh, lowercase g gods in the New Testament were all demons, and, you know, Paul tells us that. But in any case, not to get off on a, on a rabbit trail, as far as demon possession goes, the very first early church quote comes from Tatian, and he says this, it is the practice of some, some men to capture persons and then to restore them to their friends for ransom. Similarly, those who are considered to be gods, in, and he's talking about demons there, invade the bodies of certain persons. They then produce a sense of their presence by dreams. Then, when they have taken their fill of the things of this world, these quote-unquote gods command them to come forth into public. In the sight of all, they then fly away from the sick, destroying the disease which they had produced. They thereby restore men to their former state. So he's showing here literally what Jesus was accused of, which is uh, men who are casting demons out that they had control over or thought they had control over in the first place. And that is definitely not what we're talking about here as far as Christians and demons. So I don't want anybody to look into the early church, find a quote like this one, and get confused. You have to make sure that what you're looking into is from a Christian talking about a Christian, and that the demon-possessed person was well, you're not, I don't think you're going to find one that was a Christian, but you have to determine whether they were or were not. And I only found a few quotes that actually touch on that point. Every other quote was literally very easy to deduce that it was talking about a non-believer. Um, there are quotes from Tertullian that say, I could show him many other things in natural connection with the soul. For instance, there is demon possession. I could point out possession not only of one demon, as in the case of Socrates, who had his own demon, but in the case of seven spirits that Mary the Magdalene had. I can also point to a legion in number as in the Gadarene, speaking of the legion that Jesus cast out. So in every case there, those who had the demons cast out of them, or those who had the demons, like the, the first one, Socrates, there's no evidence that he ever had a demon cast out. But the other two, they were not believers. And it says here, Holy Scripture, and that was Tertullian, um, written in the year 210. Holy Scripture teaches us that there are certain invisible enemies that fight against us as the followers of Christ. 
and it commands us to arm ourselves against them. From that, the more simple among the believers in the Lord Christ are of the opinion that, and this is important, although it's kind of a side note, I think everyone needs to hear this. There are some who are of the opinion that all of the sins and infirmities that men have committed or are under are caused by the persistent efforts of these opposing powers and principalities who are exerted upon the minds of sinners. Notice it says they're sinners. So, you know, even if you were to argue it's talking about Christians, it would be a Christian who has fallen into sin. But there is nothing that we've read so far that would indicate that it's talking about a Christian. In other words, they think that if there were no devil, no single human being would ever go astray. We, however, who see the reason more clearly, do not hold to this opinion. For we take into account those sins that clearly originate as a necessary consequence of our bodily constitution. The devil is obviously not the cause of our feeling hunger nor thirst. Likewise, he isn't the cause of our feeling desire that naturally arises at the time of maturity, the desire of sexual intercourse. And that's from Origen, written in 225. Now, Origen has, just in this dictionary about demonic possession, he's got one, two, three four, five quotes on this page, and none of them are talking about Christians. Um, if anyone would like to know what they are, I'll be happy to um, write them down and send them to you. But for now, for time's sake, just take my word that they're all about non-believers so we can get to the quotes from the other early church writers. Cyprian is the next one on here, and he says, sometimes a wicked spirit has foresight, and he perceives that there will be an earthquake. So he pretends that he will accomplish what he's already foreseen will happen. By such lies and boasting, one demon subdued the minds of various persons. As a result, they obeyed him and did whatever he commanded. And it's got in parentheses here, when it's talking about the demon, it's talking about the person he's possessed. So we know, in this case, this is not a Christian. Because he's fortune-telling and doing things that Christians know are forbidden to do especially in the first century or second century in this case, 
um, there or actually the beginning of the third century, but there would be no reason for a believer to think that they could do this because in the primitive church, it wasn't like today with the NAR and word of faith nonsense. The heretics were clearly known. In any case, it says, as a result, they obeyed him and did whatever he commanded. They also went wherever he led them. He would also make a certain woman walk in the dead of winter with bare feet over frozen snow, another one that this demon possessed. Yet she was not troubled or hurt in any degree physically by doing this. That's Cyprian in 250. So again, that's three people that Cyprian was mentioning here, and all three of them were non-believers. Now, I want to read one more before I turn it back over to my brothers, and I think this one is probably one of the most important that kind of sums up everything that we want to get across tonight, and it's from Justin Martyr. And there's actually some scriptures before that, and it's about the point that I want to get across, and that I'm sure that Jeremy and John do as well, is that Christians have been given authority over demons. You can't have authority over something that can possess you. And the first thing that I have here under Christians and their authority over demons is Matthew 8, 28 and 29, when he had come to the other side to the country of the Gershines, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? See there, the demons even knew that he was the Son of God. Have you come here to torment us before the appointed time? And the next scripture is the most important one. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And that's Luke 10, 17. Justin Martyr says this in the year 160 AD. He says, we do continually beseech God by Jesus Christ to preserve us from demons. When they are exercised in the name of Jesus Christ, then they are overcome. And thus it is demonstrated to all that his father has given him as well as his followers such great power for by virtue of this power demons are subdued by his name now if we go back and look at scripture every time a christian you know apostle or otherwise tried 
to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus, they were able to do so. However, when non-believers tried to do the same thing, even though they were using the name of Jesus, the demons had, I mean, they had the opposite of authority over demons. Those demons came very close to killing those men. And that should show you that the majority of what you see in the Word of Faith and NAR is, even in the case of non-believers, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, it's staged and they're not even actually demon-possessed because if we go by scripture, then not only would the demons not be subject to them, but they would make a show of showing the world and any watching that those men had no subject over them. You know, they had no power over them. And I don't know if you guys want to jump in and say anything. I have one, maybe two more quotes from Justin Martyr, but if you guys want to jump in, you can. I was just going to say that, you know, I think that the word of faith movement, like I, I saw this Joyce Meyer thing, right? Where she's like, she's just repeating herself over and over and over again. And there's a guy off to the side and she keeps calling down like the, the fire from heaven or something like that. I can't quote a verbatim, but in this clip, you see this dude screaming, right? They they think it's God doing it to this kid. This kid is screaming like he's burning in hell, like over and over and over again. He's just being tormented by a demon right in front of everybody. And they all think that it's, that it's the work of God, that it's the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely insane. And they didn't cast it out or anything, but I think that demons can utilize false ministries like this and make a show and, and are able to uh, kind of subvertly torture people. You know what I mean? Like, it, and I, and I say that it's because this dude is getting tormented in his soul inside of a church and everybody thinks that it's God, that, that God's doing this to him. Mm. You know what I mean? So they're getting away with it. I'm trying yeah. to think of the word, but they're covertly, they're just using this to their advantage. They're covert, covertly making a show and are able to torment people in plain sight. And you got people out there thinking that it's God doing this. That's the Holy Spirit. Prophecy. Like how, how messed up is that? You know, they're fulfilling prophecy. You know, certain men have crept in unawares. And it was foretold 2000 years ago that it was going to happen. And it yep. had. I said that I had two more quotes from Justin Martyr, but that was actually the only quote I have on this from Justin Martyr. But the other two quotes are so powerful. And they are actually um, from uh, Origin. And I think they're both from Origin. You can go ahead and read them, brother, if, if John, unless John, you want to ch chip in real quick or? No, not yet. Okay. There are 
many from origin that I could choose from here. And I know that there are people who want to point to, you know, one period of time in, in, in origins life and try to use it to show that all of his quotes are not valid, but I say that that's hogwash. You know, they, they wouldn't do the same for themselves. You know, if they fell out of grace or fell into sin, they uh, would want grace from the church right then, you know, for that particular sin, not even the things that they did and taught before that. So, you know, it's a double standard there. And trust me, regardless to what anyone wants to say about anything Origin may or may not have taught in any period of his life, these quotes here are spot on. He says in the first one that we do not deny that there are many demons upon the earth. However, we maintain that they exist and exercise power only among the wicked as a punishment for their wickedness. But they have absolutely no power over those who have put on the whole armor of God, who have received the strength from the Holy Spirit to withstand the wiles of the devil. And he uses for this, of course, Ephesians 6.11, and that was origin in the year 248. Now the second quote is also from the year 248, and it's from the same uh, material. It's from the same portion of the anti-Nicene fathers and this is the quote it says and John you'll like this a Christian I mean a true Christian who has submitted to God and his word will suffer nothing from demons for he is mightier than demons the Christian will suffer nothing for the angel of the Lord will encamp around them who fear him and will deliver them. And he uses Psalms 34, 7 as his proof. That's deep. And I, think- and I, and I would I would 100% agree with that. Say it again. I, didn't hear you. I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, so would I. I think it's powerful and that people need to realize this. Yeah, when we're when we're walking with the Lord, um, doing our best of our ability to not sin consciously. Um and I'm not talking about uh sinless perfectionism. That doesn't happen to our glorified bodies. Uh, you know, but um it's less likely that we will be 
uh, demonized. Um, or I don't even think that there's a possibility, or there's a possibility that I, I that I that I that that we, that we would not be um, demonized uh, during that time period. Um, I or do see. Also, the, there are other quotes where he shows that believers can be oppressed. Yeah, he says point blank that believers can be oppressed. He's talking only about possession and i think we would all agree with him you know a believer especially one walking with the lord with the whole armor of god definitely cannot be possessed right well well as um um let me see if i can find uh, we know that you know jesus when jesus had mentioned that um in matthew 12:45 um, let me see here. Where's, uh, then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than themselves, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so, shall be into this wicked generation. So, one of my, you know, one of my issues with with, with if there's kind of like this false deliverance being. Uh, done by false teachers and, and false ministers is that I don't think any of us here would say there's there's it's not wrong as born again believers through God to use this to, to, for demons to be cast out of people. Um, but at the same time, what I would hope, you know, I'm not trying to put words in God's mouth, but what I do believe would be, um, God's, you know, ultimately ultimate hope for that person were, was for them, you know, after the demons had been casted out of them, uh, for the gospel to the to be preached and for them to truly become born again. Um, yes. because if that does not happen, um, as you know, you know, Jesus, you know, taught here, um, the person's gonna, you know, if they don't get the Holy Spirit, you know, if they're not born again. You know, majority of these people are going to go back uh, to their sinful lives, and they're probably going to 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 propagate even more sin, and they're going to heap even more punishment to them. So, you know, maybe even more demons possessed them previously that were were that 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 they were possessed with previously beforehand. So, you know, I'm you know I'm not saying that, you know. Demons should not be cast out of people by by born again believers. That God shouldn't use us as such. But um, afterwards, preach the gospel. You know, now I'm talking about you know the sinner's prayer, sing a you know, make you know preach the gospel, work with them, make sure they understand the gospel. Yeah, you know, disciple hearing, them if possible. Yes, faith comes from from hearing and you know from the hearing the you know the word of God. Um. And you know, you know, faith and believing come come from hearing the word of God. Um, and so that should be the ultimate the ultimate goal isn't driving demons out of people. It's preaching the gospel to them and hopefully that they repent and become born again. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what yeah. we're called to do by the Great Commission by Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of ministries casting demons out of people and then just sending them on their way. 
Like, yeah, you can't do that to somebody. You that's can't do biblical. that to somebody, man. Because more well, demons are going to come, come, are likely yep. going to come back in interim. Yeah, they're going to be worse than the ones before. And, and camera, them casting the demon out. Yeah. And ultimately, yeah, you know, that person, since they're unsaved, um, they're going to, you know, they're going to face the first death and then they're going to face the second death, right? You know, and God wishes for, for none shall perish. Um, and so those, you know, deliverance ministries, those ministries that are just casting demons out of people, but are not ministering to them, are not delivering them, you know, preaching the gospel to them. So they come to repentance to, to be saved is it's, it's lack of a better words is useless. Yeah. I would argue a lot of them though, aren't casting anything out. Yeah. You know, that they aren't saved in the first place. And, you know, it's all show. Not all of it, but in, in the case of non-believers. I would agree. Yes. And also, too, um, the, you know, like you mentioned, the difference between a born-again believer and a believer, and we have a biblical basis for this, like you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, where the demon said, well, I know, you know, I know, I think they said, I know Paul, or did they say, I know, I know Peter? Paul. I know Paul. I know Jesus. I know, but who are you? Yes. So, you know, you can't just say a person who's not born again can't just say in Jesus's name. You can't use that as like some sort of casting some spell. You know, as the sons of Skeet. Yeah. You can't just you can't you can't treat it as some sort of magic words. You know, you have to have the faith behind it. You have to be born again. You have to have the Holy Spirit in you. Uh, to have know, that authority to have that authority yes you can't you can't just use jesus christ's name as, as some sort of magical spell yeah but that's um, what they want to do yeah yeah 100 yeah uh, can i ask you guys something yes and this is for both of you so you guys can take a turn uh, answering but what do you guys think about um you know if somebody has demons and then they get born again do you believe that the de- that they need to be delivered um after they get born again because to me i see what they're trying to say but when you get born again you're a new creation i don't see how you can still have a demon in you after you become born again i will say i'm right there with you i'm gonna say this um i want to go back to the very first quote i quoted because i i have heard those same points jeremy and they make very good points but the first quote i gave was um i think it was from uh justin martyr and it was and it talks about how that you know we um we do continually beseech god by jesus to preserve us from the demons when they are exercised in the name of jesus christ and they are overcome Thus, it is demonstrated. Uh, so, do you think before they become born again, they actually they they should? I mean, you would have to cast the demons out of them if they indeed do have one in them. Well, I can attest to that. Well, I can attest to this in my own um, my my own testimony. So, I remember exactly where I was. I don't remember the date, but I can remember exactly where I was when I became born again. And I was driving down the road from Raleigh um, towards towards Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I was in my van. 
And I remember I was praying to God and repenting in my heart that I had was a new ager and that I had rebelled against him and fully understanding the gospel at that point, you know, and, and just, you know, asking, you know, that, that I, that I believed and, you know, asking for him to forgive me and the Holy spirit fill me so that I become born again. And I remember, I remember, um, I used to have a, a feeling, um, cause I, I believe I was possessed by a, a spirit of divination, uh, the kind of a Kundalini spirit. It goes by many different names. Um, you know, and, um, they, they, they claim that it wraps around your vagus nerve. A lot of the yogis mentioned that and everything. And so when I used to have delusions, um, as a new ager, um, you'd feel your third eye tingle, uh, you know, they would claim your pineal gland. Um, you would, I would feel my, my vagus nerve would feel very weird. My, my spine would feel very weird. Um, and I remember, um, when that was happening, you know, when I, when I believe I became born again, um, I have no other explanation for this. I felt the, the, whatever spirit demon, was in me left left um and i felt the holy spirit and it's the same feeling i get when i'm in the word when i'm fellowshipping with brothers and sisters when i'm praising god it's kind of like this over oh, this overwhelming feeling of like love and peace um and i felt it there then for the first time in my entire life and i've never felt any of the like tinglings or anything that I had with the, the what I believe to be a spirit of divination that was in me previously beforehand, I've never felt that again. I've never had delusions again. I think I can explain this completely whenever you finish. Um, so I believe that the moment I became born again, the spirit of divination that was possessing me left and the Holy Spirit entered me and therefore was never able to enter in again. And so I've never been possessed since then. Have I been demonized when I fall into sin and I've been put through trials and tribulations by the Lord? Of course, of course. Um, you know, and you always have to, you know, you know, rightfully, you know, go to the word, talk to fellow brothers and sisters that are elders, uh, you know, uh, you know, pray to God, you know, and the Holy Spirit will lead you of whether or not certain events in your life or by demonization because you're in unrepentant sin or you're in sin, or if it's just, you know, if it's God testing you or if it's enemy coming against you or if it's life circumstances, there's many different reasons why we go through trials and tribulations. Um, and God chastises, you know, whom he loves. Um, and so I, I believe that at that moment, um, I became unpossessed and the Holy Spirit filled me the moment I became born again. And I've never been possessed again. That's why I don't believe that Christians can be possessed by demons. I just don't. Uh, because I've never had the feeling of the spirit of Python in me ever again. I've never felt that weird feeling up here. I've never felt that weird feeling in my spine. It hasn't happened since I became born again. So that right there in my own testimony for what it's worth, I don't think it's possible. I would have to agree with you 100%. And I see several early church fathers who would agree with you as well. Um, Cyprian, I think, explains it the best. And I, I missed this quote earlier. He says, 
the obstinate wickedness of the devil prevails even up to the saving water of baptism. However, in baptism, and remember, in the early church, baptism and salvation went hand in hand. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, he says, however, in baptism, a person loses all of the poison of his wickedness. When they come to the water of salvation and to the sanctification of baptism, we know and trust that there the devil is beaten down and the man being dedicated to God is set free by the divine mercy. So also the wicked spirits are called uh, scorpions and serpents, yet they are trodden underfoot by us, by the power given us by the Lord. They cannot remain at all any longer in the body of a man who is baptized and sanctified in whom the Holy Spirit is beginning to dwell. So perfect. Freeze one hundred percent. The Holy Spirit and an unclean spirit cannot dwell in the same body. And I believe right. I one hundred percent. I believe at that moment I became born again of the Spirit. Um, now I wasn't baptized to late. You know, later as a believer's baptism. Um, uh, year about a year or so later, I did at the church that I go to currently. I was immersed. Um. But I do believe that moment I became born again in the spirit, that was the moment that the Holy Spirit entered and no other demon has been in me since then. And I could attest to this through my own um, my own testimony. And your description of that spirit does a lot here because a lot of people do exactly what I read that Origen said earlier, they want to assign every wicked thing that we do, every sin and sickness to a demon. And, you know, to those people, if there were no devil, then, like, if the devil stopped existing today, not if there was never a devil, but if there, there were no devil today, then there would, you know, no humans would go astray. Which, and that contradicts the scriptures because it says that like murder, adultery, those the lust of the world, all that stuff is within a man's heart. Well, yes, yeah. it's the evil People that blame man. that yeah. on demons. And it's like, they're just not taking accountability for what's already in their own heart. I think that demons can utilize that and they can exploit mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. but no, they don't make you do those things. Well, there's the evil that man does, right, from our own fallen state. So, uh, you know, that there's the evil that we do. Um, I mean, as as a popular phrase do, I can do bad all, my, all on my own, you know? So there is the, you know, the wicked fallen state, you know, of man, you know, man's wicked fallen heart, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, even if there was, like you said, Jeremy, there was no Satan. There were no demons. Let's say they didn't exist. 
you know, if we're doing a thought experiment here in present times, not from the fall, but let's say now, let's say Satan was completely uh, uh, bounded up and had no influence. Um, you know, since we are not in our glorified bodies, that we are in our corrupted, fallen bodies, there is the evil that we can do ourselves from our poisoned, polluted flesh. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely, and a lot of people um, try to point to Judas as proof that uh, a, a Christian who they would use Judas as an example of a follower of Christ, you know, can be possessed. But, but he never had the Holy Spirit. He was never born again. Oh, yeah. There is actually a scripture where Jesus breathes on the uh, the disciples and gives them the Holy Spirit before Pentecost. But regardless to all of that, um, like as far as the, the two different um, kinds of things that that demons do to believers and non-believers, like um, Origen says it this way now. With wicked spirits, there is a twofold mode of operation. Sometimes they take, I apologize for that. Um, people are, my wife is, I think, going out with my son, and so the dogs are barking. I apologize. It says, uh, there is a twofold mode of operations with evil spirits. Sometimes they take complete and entire possession of the mind and body so as not to allow their captives the power of either understanding or feeling. For example, this is the case with those who are commonly called, quote-unquote, possessed, whom we see to be deprived of reason. Now, this is the important part. At other times, these forces use their wicked suggestions to deprave a conscience, an intelligent soul, with thoughts of various kinds, persuading or, in quotation marks, oppressing it to do evil. Judas is an illustration of this oppression. And that's origin in 2.25. And, you know, the scriptures even say that Satan entered into Judas. But it that's what the English says. You know, I really honestly don't know the way the Greek, is, you know, says it there. But I know regardless to how it is said, um, I think that this is a good example, even if we take Judas out of it, it's a good example of the two different, cases of possession that where a whole body and mind is taken over and where we have oppression where the human being is still in control of their mind and body and they are just being you know influenced and let me make another point too uh concerning judas you know judas so we don't we don't believe in once saved always saved in the sense that no matter what you do you know you enter eternity judas planned and turned his back 
on Christ. And I would assume, and I'd have to look, but it was sometime after God, uh, Jesus blew uh, the Holy Spirit onto them, you know, so he had made a choice sometime afterwards to turn his back on God. And then he became possessed like that. That betrayal was already in Judas's heart. That wasn't because of the devil, but the devil used that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the point that Origen was making. Yeah. And I, although I do know that that the disciples received the Holy Spirit before they became, you know, the apostles. Um, I don't know if if Judas had already betrayed Christ or not. So I don't know if he was among them. I just, right. I, I was just saying that before the day of Pentecost, the disciples had received the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I gotta, I gotta say too that uh, a lot of people, you know, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here. I'm just, this is my opinion based on the scriptures and and, and the testimony of the early church. You know, you got to check yourself every day to see if you are in the faith or not lest you deceive yourself okay there's a lot of people who think they're christians there's a lot of people who will die on that hill and say i had you know been possessed while being a christian and i would have to you know i would have to lovingly say i disagree if you had a demon in you and you manifested and a demon came out of you, you were not a Christian at that point, no matter how badly you think or have convinced yourself that you are. And I'm and not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. That doesn't mean you don't have a chance. That doesn't, I mean, if you're still alive and breathing, you have a chance. You know, you could be born again now, but at that time, you were not. That person could be able to know for sure if they were being oppressed or possessed, but I agree with you. If they had a demon, they were not a Christian. Right. Uh, you know. Can I, can I ask you guys? Can I ask you brothers real quick something real quick? Sure. Um, you mentioned uh, the eleven that Jesus had breathed the Holy Spirit. Um, my belief in it uh, from Scripture, from what I've read, I, I'm open to be wrong on this, but uh, if I remember, um, Thomas wasn't breathed on. If I remember, I think it was Thomas. He wasn't there. And I think it wasn't a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit uh, at that time. That didn't happen to Pentecost. It wasn't, it definitely wasn't the fullness, you know, like to where the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel, you know, um, where Jesus told them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. However, you know, Jesus, when he breathed upon them, he, he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. So we know that they were given the Holy Spirit. Um, yes, but I don't think it was permanent indwelling, which is why Judas was able to um, become possessed by 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 Satan. Uh, now, some people would argue it's because he never did believe, um, or uh, some people would say he did believe but later fell off. Um, but yes, so my belief would be that um judas never never had never believed it was never uh and that uh the apostles didn't become born again till uh till pentecost um as far as the holy spirit dwelling with inside of them um, well, um i think that 
that's that's just one part that I would have to slightly disagree with mm-hmm. you on, simply because um, I, I would agree with you. They had not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit until Pentecost, but I wouldn't say that they had not been born again, um, simply because, um, you know, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it was promised it would. However, for you and I to receive the Holy Spirit, we must be baptized, just like, at, you know, anyone in the first century, um, I would argue, including the apostles, although it was before Pentecost when they were baptized. But if it were you and I, you know, we would have to be baptized and then have hands laid upon us to receive the Holy Spirit. But although I am far from a cessationist, I think that there's no way that anyone could try to argue the fact that every believer receives the power of the Holy Spirit that fell upon the apostles the day of Pentecost. Yeah, very much so, yes. Um, uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, now, I would... So you okay? So let me ask you this then, Jeremy. I would so, um, when so when exactly do you believe that a person becomes born again? The moment that they repent and believe and understand the gospel, uh, the good news, um, or when uh, they become baptized? I would say that only God can make a decision you know whether or not to um bring someone into his kingdom Mm -hmm. no matter who they are however we have the promises in scripture but when we read them in a westernized mindset in the english language things can be lost like we read that all if you were to just read that anyone who calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved or the scriptures that say that all you must do is believe anyone who believes on the name of the lord shall be saved we know that you can't um just believe that jesus is the son of god well you can't have an intellectual faith as uh, but if you do believe in your heart, well, that you, intellectual. Well, no, there's a difference between intellectual faith and a saving faith, from at least from what I. Well, uh, see, what you have to understand is we have to go by. That's what I mean by the English language and the Western mindset. Um, faith in the first century, and even first, second, and third century mindset, but also in the Greek language. Faith is an action word. It's not something that takes place in the mind or even just the heart. It's it's a word that they didn't have to say faith plus works, 
although James said fate without works is dead, but in the um, in the way that it should actually be understood is that a true fate, a, a saving fate, is a fate that will require someone to abide in Christ. You know, you, you can't just believe in your heart or um, believe with your mind and abide in Christ. You know, Jesus himself tells us the things that must be done to abide in him. And Jesus says, those who love me will keep my commandments. And it's those who love him who will abide in him. So, uh, you know, just taking baptism as, say, a, a part of that faith, I would say that, yes, I believe that faith is what saves us. I believe completely that we are saved by faith through grace. Mm -hmm. Do I believe that a person can make a conscious choice not to be baptized and just say, hey, I don't need this. It's just a symbol and still be saved. No, I don't believe that. In that case, I believe baptism is essential. Now, in, say, the exception of someone who believes and calls, you know, they confess with their mouth, believe with their heart, and they never have a chance to have the rejuvenation of baptism. Like they're on their way to get baptized, but they die before they reach there. Yeah, uh, like the early church, they they had this thing where uh, that the the Romans were killing believers so fast, even before they could be baptized. So they they had this thing, you know, called the baptism of blood, and um, that's my English paraphrase of it. Mm -hmm. But baptized you know, by martyrdom. Yeah, that their their martyrdom was their baptism, um, but I do believe that baptism, in the sense that it is a part of our faith, is required. Yeah, I've seen people use like the thief on the cross as as an excuse that you don't need to, and that it's just a symbol. But I, I'm going to paraphrase this, but one of the best quotes I've ever heard was. You know, they were not able to, but if you are able to, if you're not sitting up there stuck on a cross, go get baptized. No, I, I no, I agree. I, I think it's the thief on the cross. You know, first of all, Jesus had not been crucified fully and resurrected yet. Second of all, and this is, I think, the thing people need to realize everyone hears what the thief says and automatically assumes that he went to heaven that day. But what he said was, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what Jesus said back was, today, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. And we know that Jesus didn't go to heaven that day. He went Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom. You know, isn't heaven. It's Abraham's bosom in Hades. 
I would I would still would assume that the thief would have would have believed Jesus was Lord and would have went to heaven afterwards, though. But I could see to your point. I mean, I I would I would yeah, say that I'm not saying he would or would. I'm just saying that I don't think it's a good example. No, I agree. Uh, I, I, I better examples that people should look to, and I definitely, whether it's that or anything else, I would not use any one instance or one scripture to make a doctor. No, I know. I, and I, and I, I would, um, I, I would say that I, I, I do believe that a, a born, a born again believer who, who thinks that baptism is just a symbol and does not want to get baptized. I do believe that's sinful. Uh, but I don't know if that disqualifies, disqualifies them, disqualifies them automatically from, from being. Uh, well, how's he going to receive the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible clearly says that the Holy Spirit comes not by the, um, confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart but by the laying on of hands after baptism after the regeneration of baptism what's that uh that i is it in the book of acts those two guys that ran over and was pretty much like yeah we've we were baptized and they were simply or paul i think it was paul or peter was like so you were baptized with john's baptism but you never received the holy ghost you never you you didn't get baptized in the holy ghost and then he laid his hands on him right that's what i mean the laying on of hands that comes after baptism. yeah so so where do you see bringing it back to like deliverance where do you see this uh with with those who claim to be so, so i'm assuming you think that anybody who claims to be a Christian and, and had a demon never got baptized or me? Yeah. Do you, is that what you're, no, that's not what I was saying at all. I was just responding to what John said, you know, what he said was he, he thought that if someone, um, you know, had believed and confessed and then didn't get baptized purposely because in their mind it was just a symbol that he definitely thought it was sinful but that it wouldn't hinder their salvation and i was just saying i was really just asking a question and that was how do they receive the holy spirit and can someone be saved without the holy spirit that that was it was more of a question. I wasn't saying he was right or wrong. I was asking. Well, I mean, my my answer to that would be again, someone who I mean, the person who's dry, you know, driving to be baptized, right? You know, like I believe in my heart. Now, I mean, if I go to heaven and God says I'm wrong, you know, and I know Pretty the heart is just, just, I know the heart is deceitful above all things, but I even believe from scripture, um, which I mean, this would be this would be kind of we're going off topic, but this would be an interesting discussion uh between someone in myself which believes in a believer's baptism um and 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 you know you would you would take it more of a necessary means of salvation um where you know for the person driving to the church they're not being martyred yeah they might die by they get in a car accident but they're not being martyred they're not being martyred in the faith yeah uh, and i never said that that, that they had to, you know, have the martyr baptism to be saved. That's why I said in the beginning that, you know, um, there are a lot of people that say things like uh, the Protestants weren't Christians because they fought in wars and killed other Christians like 
those of us who are Anabaptists, you know. Um, but the, the thing is, um, what I said goes for pretty much anybody, and that is, who are we to say who God Almighty can and can't give salvation to? No, I 100% agree with you on that, yes. Yep. So I, I'm not saying that someone who isn't baptized can't be saved. I'm just saying I think it's a dangerous. Oh, I 100 percent agree with you on that. Oh, very much so. Yes, um, I, I agree with you 100 percent on that, uh, Jeremy. I think it's. I think if if you are a professing, you know, born again Christian, you definitely should get immersed baptized. 100 yeah. uh, percent. Yes. I mean that's why I did it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that's why everybody here did it. You know that, uh, and hopefully everybody's listening. Yes, you should. Uh, uh, you should get baptized. Uh, yes, I'm not saying at all that a per person should not be. Um, that's just like with me. I've got many brothers and sisters who are friends who, you know, of course, believe there's absolutely no way to lose your salvation once you're saved. And while all I can do is look at what Jesus himself said, you know, even though we can look at first John, first John is like the ultimate test of who is saved and who isn't saved. Um, if first we John 4, what Jesus said to believers, you know, you, no one can argue that in, the book of revelation jesus was talking to people in the church because he literally those letters were to the seven churches and all but two of them he told to repent or their names would be removed from the book of life well for your name to be removed it had to have been there to begin with it's gonna get well, interesting it's gonna get interesting in the coming <laughs> debate oh it's it's but getting amped up no matter what i believe or someone else believes my thing is this why take the chance i mean it's a dangerous thing to risk your eternal life on um why not just obey christ anyway and if you oh, 100 percent agree with you on that even though i believe it once saved always saved i 100 percent agree with you on that i mean there's a lot of people that don't like for instance, Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley, who Andy Stanley now, who's um, affirming gay people. Yeah, and, poison fruit, poison yeah, fruit. I mean, I, I, and, and his poison fruit comes from the teachings of his father, although his father never went that far. You know, I have read in Charles Stanley's books, in you know, in episodes of my podcast, where he says that he goes so far if to say if a person takes the mark of the beast or becomes a Satanist, if they have, you know, said a prayer, and that is what he says, says the sinner's prayer. He uses Billy Sunday's prayer as his means for salvation. He doesn't even quote scripture. But he says that they can never lose their salvation. Yeah, I see, I wouldn't see, I would say, I, I, I don't know about apostasy. I leave that open. Um, you know, I... I, I to me, that is just the most dangerous thing in the world. Oh, 100%. Yes. 100%. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, yeah, I do believe that there are people who abuse once saved, always saved, just like there's people who abuse many different doctrines. Um, I would say that I'm looking forward to the discussion, but I would say that before we have it, I think I'm not saying it's mandatory, but 
Pastor Joe Schimmel from Blessed Hope Chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, who I respect very greatly. Yeah, and, and I don't agree with him on everything. You know, I call yeah, him I- out on quite a few things, like he's way too Zionist and other things that I disagree with. Um, but, and although he preaches against dispensationalism, he still has um, dispensational tendencies and I agree. but eschatology. I agree. I agree with you. All. I, I 100% agree with, with you on those criticisms of Joe Shelby. Salvation thing. He's got a, a sermon that I've got a, um, on the network. It's called uh, Five Death Blows to Once Saved, Always Saved. And um, I don't think that, you know, no matter how much I prepared or tried, I don't think that I could present the proofs of salvation and the, I guess, the nails in the coffin, if you want to call them that. I'm just using a figure of speech better than he could. And I've I've listened to that video. I've also listened to rebuttals of that video. Um, It's gonna it's gonna be an interesting discussion. Uh, Hopefully, I can. I know that Bryant was still on the podcast when we did our episode here on by by their fruits on salvation. Uh, wasn't he? You were. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. Um, that was a good episode too, because um, it had you know quite a few people sharing scriptures and then early church quotes. If which I there guess. are, which we're gonna get into some early church quotes that possibly lead, lean to once save always save too so that's going to be an interesting interesting discussion this is uh, happening in a couple weeks yes and i have a question I, I preparing i'm preparing uh, <laughs> i have a question for both of you guys concerning before you go jeremy if you have to leave soon um concerning deliverance or whether a christian can be possessed uh what do you guys think about the situation where um i think it was in ephesians 5 where the uh, the guy was sleeping with his stepmom, and Paul uh, Paul gave him over to Satan mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. his soul might be saved. What do you guys? And I'm not trying to get this about once saved, always saved. I just, what do you guys think about the that? You word there is might, and I think it. I don't think you can look at that scripture without thinking about once saved, always saved when you're talking about possession because either he was never saved to. That's begin what with. I believe he never was to begin with. Yeah, or, um, and I'm not saying he was, I'm just saying either he ever was or he lost his salvation because, you know, Paul doesn't say I'm going to turn him over to Satan so he will definitely be saved. You know, he says so he might. Or, he, but, but he says might. He doesn't say I'll turn him over to Satan so that he'll repent. Yeah. Yeah. My, my question is, is the whole That's turning him over to Satan thing. Do you guys believe that that meant that? Like that to me, I believe like it just he, he was of oppression. I yeah, that's what I believe. I believe okay. he was just ostracized from the church, and in doing so, he yeah, was out of the church. Yeah, and doing so, he was. You know, if I don't think he was a born again believer, that's why Paul says might in the hope that he does become born again and he does become saved. Okay, um, but I mean, there's many people that are in churches that aren't saved. You know, let's be real here. A lot of them are. Oh, it's a narrow path, oh, yeah. you know. So, you know, 
have to apply though you know whether he had lost his salvation or had never been saved that the, the might thing there would would apply to a non-believer mm-hmm. definitely yeah. talking about a non-believer no matter very much what. so that's what i'm trying to the point i'm trying to get across in that and so doing so um yeah i mean he was demonized further or was possessed for all we know uh, right. we don't know what happened to him uh you know and so yes i, I think that's that's what I would, I would, from scripture, from you know, if you're ex, you know, exegete, using ex, exegesis on the text, you know, I would assume that's that's what it, what Paul was writing about. I would assume, um, and so yeah, I mean, again, all three of us here don't believe that a Christian, a born again Christian, you know, once you're signed, sealed, delivered, you know, you become given the spirit of adoption, uh, once you become a, a son and daughter. Um, God, you're not a begotten. There's only Jesus was only begotten son. Um, then yes, that would not a demon cannot possess you know Christians. It's impossible. Can I ask a question really quick? Because I am gonna have to go. Yes. Um, didn't we all three agree earlier that you know only a Christian could cast out a demon? Yes. Yes. I guess I'm kind of preparing a little bit for that episode (laughs) (laughs) Um, saying depart from me you know after they said but didn't we cast demons out in your name and do this and that and the third i just i just was curious if we all So, so so that is a logical contradiction huh but my question is is did they I guess it'll be enough. Well, that, that that that'll be good. It'll be good. I don't know. I'm ready. I, I just, I'm ready. Did they really? I'm ready. Because there's a lot of people that would say that, right? Wouldn't wouldn't uh wouldn't uh some of these uh wouldn't Greg Locke? Well, did not did I count demons out in your name? Yeah. I picture him in that verse, bro. I'm just saying. So it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. And at the end of the days, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we all love each other. Yeah, Amen. we absolutely. It's all in good fun, and and this, I, I don't think that, um, I think there are things to break fellowship on, but I think this is one, of course. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't all be on the same network. No, um, no, no. And hey, I, I'm not gonna say that I wouldn't change my mind. All agree on everything. Mm-hmm. Of course, not. There's uh, look as much as we all enjoy each other's fellowship. We all have fellowship with each other. We're not all going to agree 100 percent on everything, no. uh, because you know, you know, we're human beings and we have our own opinions, and yeah. sometimes they are wrong <laughs> because of our own arrogance and stubbornness. Yeah, you know, even so my wife. Yeah, even my wife and I don't agree on this very topic we're talking about. Like so that I, was an interesting combo. Yeah, so <laughs> I almost I mean, slept on the couch tonight. Uh oh. Uh oh. Twenty-one, almost twenty-two years. And my wife and I don't agree on quite a few things um, when it comes to doctrine. But, you know, I will say this. I, I have to give it to her, you know, as the, the one thing we do agree on is, you know, that I am the spiritual head of the household. So even if she disagrees with me, she will defer to me. Which, I mean, ultimately... Um... You know, we're, we're and we're not we're not going to have it all right anyway in these fallen bodies that we have, uh, you know. And there are definitely core doctrine. There, there are definitely core doctrines. 
um, that, you know, for someone for, for, you know, again, for, you know, uh, first John four testing the spirit, right. Determine if a person has the Holy spirit in them or not, you know, by what they confess and what they claim to, to, to believe and by their fruits, right. You shall know them. Mm-hmm. So right. there's certain, you know, I mean, there are certain things or, for example, I would never call Mormon a brother and sister in Christ. I just wouldn't, you know, I might call them an earthly brother or sister, but I would never call them a brother and sister in Christ. You know, so there, there's a differentiation between that. You know, there are things that would make me go, okay, you are not born again, and you are not a brother and sister in Christ with me. And, you know, but there are things that we fall under secondary doctrine, you know, and those things, you know, we can have discussions and arguments, which have happened to some degree, I would argue, since the inception of the early church. When uh, Peter got a little uh, puffed up with a little bit too much pride, as Peter often did. Yeah, um, and, I said in the beginning, you know, it's so important to, you know, no matter how much we may joke and stuff, because I, Lord knows I love to joke, but mm-hmm. we have to remember to stay humble because as soon as, you know, we start thinking that we're doing any of this by our own power or look how look at me look how much i know yeah. look how smart i am yep and god is going to humble us and you oh yeah humbled by god no so i know you got to go buddy so is there anything that either one of you want to say in closing uh you know on the topic um this podcast has been very edifying for me I uh, hope yeah, it, it is dope. for everybody listening. I'm glad that, you know, that, that both Jeremy's, you know, I'm glad Jeremy Anderson that you joined us again, brother. Um, and anybody out there, you know, that's listening, um, you know, if, if you are still listening, some people may have already tuned out by now because they've, they've gotten angry and puffed up with pride. We're not here to insult anybody. I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to belittle anyone. Um, you know, that when we're having these discussions, you know, if you believe that you're a Christian and you can be possessed by a demon, I'm not here to, you know, hold my nose up at you. Okay. That's not, it's not what we're doing this. Um, I just, I don't believe it, you know, and I do believe that there are many snakes out there. There are many snakes out there, um, that 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 use deliverance that 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 that, that teach you know that the deliverance that um have led a lot of people sadly astray um and you're seeing it more and more in the new apostolic reformation you're seeing it more and more kind of morph into what i believe to be the one world religion this ecumenical universalist religion you see the nar people yoke up with catholics and mormons eventually they're going to yoke up with people of other religions and um, just, you know, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by people like Greg Locke, who yoked themselves up with the Great Awakening, you know, um, which may be, if we are entering into the end times, uh, the grand illusion. Um, and so just, you know, just pray to God, be in the word. You know, and, 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 you know, just take to heart the things that, you know, us three brothers on this By Their Fruits episode have stated in the scripture and the early church, uh, uh, you know, uh, passages uh, that, uh, you know, Jeremy Anderson had read, uh, you know, just, 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 you know, pray on it, 
you know, and, and, and try to, to get more information um, from, uh, you know, people that's, that, that, that are just, that are warning about um, these things. Okay. That's all I'm asking. And that's all I think any of us are asking here, you know, is, and, 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 and um, that's all I got to say about it. I'm done. Yeah. I, um, I do have to go, but I want to close with the same thing that I opened with. And that is, um, you know, it, it really makes no difference whether you agree with me or not, or John or Jeremy, because it makes no difference what we believe. It makes no difference what you believe. The only thing that matters is what the word of God says Amen. and what it shows. And if what you believe on either side of this issue or anything else, if it cannot be found in the word of God or if it, um, you know, if it is opposite, than what we see there then your argument is not with the person who disagrees with you regardless to the issue or who they are your argument is with the text and we all know that it's the written word of god so just try to remember to stay humble yourselves and even if the person is myself or you know someone else, if they aren't remaining humble, let God judge them on that. You remain obedient by being humble. Don't sink to anyone else's level and just remember that we are all human beings, like John said, and you know, we, we're not going to get everything right 100% of the time. That's what we, I mean, it's an, op it's an open book test. We literally have the, even though we see through, you know, a, um, a glass dimly, we still see the end already. You know, we can look now and see the ending. We know how this thing is going to end. We know that Jesus has already won. He already said it's finished. So no matter what kind of a tantrum the enemy throws, Jesus has already won. But remember that the text should be your guide. The text and the Holy Spirit should be your guide and your teacher. Not myself, John, jeremy or any other man of god amen amen and not all i have I, yeah you can and if you gotta go you can go bro um i just wanted to say one one thing too is that uh i mentioned something earlier about all these people coming to me trying to defend that you know christians can be possessed because they believe that they were christians you know, whole, whole, wholeheartedly convinced that they were, or they know, know somebody who was, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to offend you in any way. And I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but I think that you need to re-examine. Um, I think you need to like re-examine re the situation because according to the text, 
there is zero examples of a Christian, a born again Christian filled with the Holy Spirit being possessed. And there is nothing at all that attests to it in the early church either. So I think it's important that, you know, even though it hurts, you, you got to let it go and say, look, you're still alive and breathing. You desire God. And I'm not saying you're not saved now or anything like that, but I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not, or you're questioning it, you know, like you're alive, you have an opportunity to still give your life to Christ for real. Because I, at, unfortunately at that point in time, despite what you think, like you weren't. And, you know, I know that's, that sounds harsh, but I think it's important. Otherwise you're going to propagate some, a false teaching that is like riddling the church right now. And your experience doesn't trump the scriptures. There, you would not believe how much oppression can imitate possession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you are oppressed enough, you can come to believe that you are possessed. But that doesn't mean that you are. Remember right. that the examples in the Bible of people who were possessed, they didn't have control over their bodies, yeah, their mind. So just because you're suffering this, that, or the third, it may be a demon, but that doesn't mean that demon is possessing you. Amen. Amen. I was going to say that because the definition of possession is when a demon who's in, in well, first of all, a demon's indwelling you, but it takes over your will, mind, and emotion. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So, I appreciate you, you mentioning that. I was going to say that, but uh, thank you for coming on, Jeremy. We love you, man. We love you a lot. And we love everybody who's listening to buy their fruits right now. Uh, Jeremy, I don't know if you have time to give uh, a rundown of how they can find you again, but we know we did it at the beginning. So if you don't, that's okay. But if you want to contact buy their fruits, uh, you can reach us at buy their fruits, zero two at gmail.com. And we have a special announcement coming up about uh, how you can get some more content and some special offers on things. And we have a really cool plan called, uh, called backstage and it's an app you can download with tears and all this cool stuff. So we'll, we'll get to that when uh, we get it all figured out, but Thank you for listening. I love you guys. I hope you have a good night. God bless. Thank you for listening to Buy Their Fruits. May the Lord bless the giver, the gift, and the receiver.